Morning, MCA. Um, today's scripture reading comes from Mark 1, 29 through 38. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companion went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. This is the word of the Lord for us. Making decisions is not easy, is it? And yet every day, each of us is bombarded with decisions to be made. In fact, there is a phenomenon that happens when you're overloaded on decisions, and it's called decision fatigue. It's a real thing where where you simply have reached your max. You've made so many decisions that the next thing that comes your way is almost too much. So we have to decide each and every day, when am I going to get up? What clothing am I going to wear? What am I going to eat for breakfast? What route am I going to drive to work? What store will I shop at? Which groceries will I buy? What do I do when I get home from school? (laughs) Am I going to exercise today? (laughs) If so, which exercises will I do? What devotions am I going to read today? What family time will I pursue today? We have have all of these decisions. There, There have been, in fact, one of the our daily bread devotionals this week, if you do those, uh, one of those was on decision-making and, and scientists who calculated how many decisions we make in a day, in a lifetime, and I think it's impossible to calculate, but obviously it's hundreds of thousands. We make decisions every day. Now, uh, some of these things do come easily, and maybe as I talked through that, you think, well, I already know what route I'm driving to work, <laughs> or... Um, if you're like the Reisner family on Saturday night, I mean, we choose clothing, we choose the outfits for Sunday morning so that, so that that decision has already been made. Sunday morning is not, let's find what we're going to wear. It's here, put this on. So some of those decisions we've, we've already decided. Long before you're going to the supermarket, you've made your list of items that you're going to buy. And really, that's, uh, that's a key to success with decision fatigue. That is... Uh, pre-deciding. That is deciding ahead of time. So when you have the mental energy, when you have the time and the ability, you pre-decide, you make those decisions ahead of time. So what that means is when your kids ask if you can play, if they can play video games, and you're right in the middle of a stressful project where you're trying to convert your thermostat into a Wi-Fi thermostat, and you're, you're stressed, and you feel like just saying, fine, yes, go! But you remember, now we said that they had to do their chores before they play their video games. (laughs) You say, "Uh, no kids, you can't play video games right now. Remember, we've got to get our chores done first. So that was pre-decided, and thankfully it was, because otherwise it would have meant video games, time wasted. And so pre-deciding is actually part of the formula for success when it comes to battling decision fatigue. 
Now, you can't possibly pre-decide everything. There are going to be things that come your way uh, that you are not expecting. But what I'd like to suggest to you this morning is you can pre-decide your priorities. You, you can choose what your priority is. And then you can make decisions based on your priorities. Otherwise, if you don't, the, uh, well, it's the proverbial tyranny of the urgent. Maybe you've read that book. The tyranny of the urgent. It's, it's not the priority. It's just what's pressing and in front of you. That will tend to overrule your schedule and your life. And so this morning, my friends, we're going to be challenged with this idea. Simple and yet profound. We need to prioritize our lives. We need to prioritize our lives. And, and, and I'll just put it out here right at the beginning. We need to do so in such a way that the kingdom of God <laughs> takes place over anything else. That's what we're going to talk about together this morning. Let me introduce myself. I am John Reisner. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled that you're with us this morning, and I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So for this new year, we're doing a sermon series called Redeeming Your Time, and this is week three of that particular series. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5, where we have this great teaching about the, the Apostle Paul commands us to do this, redeem the time. Why? So that you can do the will of the Lord. And so we're specifically considering the fact that how, how do we do this idea of redeeming our time? We can look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and see in him modeled the right priorities and the right use of time. He helps us to learn how to manage our time. So it's not just, uh, it's based on this book uh, with that same title by Jordan Rayner. It's not just yet another time management book. It's actually a close biblical look at what the scriptures teach and what Christ modeled. And so again, for this morning, we're going to be talking about the need we have to prioritize our lives. Nobody in Jerusalem had more demands on their schedule than Jesus did, right? Especially when he came into the height of his ministry. There were demands on him left and right. He had people, he had situations, everything vying for his attention and calling for him. And yet he always seemed to be able to discern the essential, the critical, the priority over the noise and the clamor. So, I mean, like, you, you consider this, and, and uh, Nate just read this passage for us from Mark chapter 1. How was it that Jesus was able to say no to people who needed healing? How was it that he was able to walk away from people who were, who were wanting him and who were asking him for help? Like, he, he has the power to heal, to restore, and yet he chooses to withdraw. How did Jesus decide what was most important? So if you have your Bible with you, let's go ahead and turn there to Mark chapter 1. I want to start with this passage that, uh, that we read together. Uh, and just to summarize a little bit, what we heard there is uh, Jesus, he, after driving out these evil spirits in the synagogue, he goes to the home of Peter's mother-in-law where he heals her. He also heals a bunch of her neighbors. <laughs> And then understandably, the town's residents all want Jesus, and they want him that day, and they want him the next day. They want his help, they want his healing, they want his presence, but Jesus says no. And so you might say, why? I mean, let's understand a little more how our Lord made these difficult, seemingly very difficult decisions that seem to be based on his priorities. You see, Jesus 
had already committed his life. He, he was doing the will of the Father, and so he knew his priority, and he knew he had essentially a bigger yes than the yes to the crowds that were demanding his attention. So let's go ahead and, and key in and on verse 38. We're in Mark chapter 1. Here's what Jesus says. He replies, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. See, he understands his purpose. He is to bring forth this message, this good news of the kingdom of God drawing near, hope in the Lord. He knew his purpose. He understood what he was called to do, and he understood what the priority was. And so then he was able to, to live this out. He, he was doing the things he knew he should do. This is a helpful distinction for me and for you. Do the things we should do, not just the things we could do. And Jesus had this way of just this sort of laser focus, this relentless focus. He knew his priority and he was bent on doing it. And so the question becomes, well, how do I do that in my life? How do you do that in your life? How do you get that sort of clarity, that sort of focus? Because it's difficult to say no. Imagine this. Jesus could have been drawn in by, oh, all these people want me. You know, and sometimes it feels good to be wanted, doesn't it? Sometimes, even in a twisted way, it's, oh, yeah, there's this drama happening and these people need me. But we kind of feed on that, don't we? And yet Jesus walked away from that. I also think that for some, it's paralyzing because there are so many options, especially in today's world. In 2024, there are so many options all around us. And so we can become paralyzed trying to figure out how do I best spend my time? And a lot of them are good options. Right? So it's easy, it's easy when it's like, well, that's not appealing. Well, that's going to be bad. Well, that's going to be harmful. That's going to be hurtful. I'm not interested in that. I'm not designed for that. But it's been said that the enemy of great is good. The enemy of great is good. We say yes to too many things and end up doing lots of things poorly rather than doing a few things with excellence. Author Kevin DeYoung says it this way. He says, the people on this planet who end up doing nothing are those who never realized they couldn't do everything. Now listen, any TED Talk could tell you, here are some tips on prioritizing your life. Or here, uh, here are the way, here's the path to better decision making. But we're followers of Jesus. We're, we're not just looking for yet another self-help path. We're not looking for yet another time management system. For followers of Jesus, it isn't about reaching our full potential. It isn't about being the best version of ourselves. For the follower of Jesus, it isn't about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's about Christ. We're his followers. And so the most important part Really, I could say the only part of prioritizing our lives is to keep Christ first. So really, we've just made this extremely simple. <laughs> um, in, in Bible study on Wednesday night, uh, Lakota mentioned that this morning, you're invited to come. Keith Tenefos is teaching through the book of Colossians. So uh, we were in Colossians chapter 1. 
And in that particular passage, Paul says that Christ is supreme over all. He is supreme over all. That he is first. That through him, all things were created. That for him, all things were created. And Paul says that he is the one we are to proclaim. Like that all of our energy should be used for the glory of Christ, to teach others about him. And so, again, this whole morning, as I talk about prioritizing our lives, it just got real simple real quick. Because it can be summed up in a word. Jesus. God's kingdom. The gospel. Making disciples. Sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with a world that so desperately needs it. That is the priority. Your allegiance to Christ should make every other commitment or priority or relationship look like hatred. Like hatred. That's why Jesus says it this way, Luke chapter 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. He says, such a person cannot be my disciple. So I want to make this really clear. Again, this whole sermon, this whole idea of I need to prioritize my life, you need to prioritize yours, it can be summed up in one word, Jesus. And listen, he does not ask for just part of you. In fact, I want to be really blunt with you this morning. You cannot give him just part of you. He says, you can't serve two masters. He invites you to lay down everything to serve him and follow him. And I want you to know this morning, from the bottom of my heart, it is worth it. That following Christ, that leaving behind anything and everything else. You heard his his words from Luke chapter 14. If anyone doesn't hate even their own life, you can't be his disciple. It's worth it. Because Christ is worth it. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our adoration. He is worthy of the measly short little amount of time that we spend on planet earth devoted to him. Why? Because he is king of kings. Because he is Lord of Lords. Because he will reign and rule for all eternity. And so, here's really the sobering truth as I consider this. The sobering reality of prioritizing our lives and keeping Christ first. And that is, how I prioritize Jesus shows or reveals what I truly think about Jesus. How I prioritize him shows how I really view him. If I think that he's a really nice teacher who had some amazing ideas and concepts about loving others, why, (laughs) I might adopt some principles from his teaching in life. And again, as we go through this new sermon series, I want to guard against that. He is our supreme example. But if all he is is a, is a nice teacher with some good suggestions, and I say, oh, I could use a few of those things in my life, then that's all he is. Or if we think, and we heard it in Sunday school at age five, that Jesus died on the cross so that you can be forgiven, 
And so that then means that I am free to pursue my own interests and my own pleasures and my own life. Like a quick nod to, hey, thanks. Thanks to the guy on the cross because now I can do whatever I want, however I want. Like what I'm saying is, if Jesus is simply a get out of hell free card, then our response to him really becomes very flippant. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Yeah, he died on the cross, uh, salvation. And now the priority, we we continue living a me-centered existence. That the decisions I make, they're not based on his lordship or his kingdom. They're based on what I like, what I'm interested in, what I want to pursue. Again, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness above all else. But church, I want to encourage us and implore us this morning, like, if we truly grasp how magnificent, how marvelous, how wonderful, how glorious he is, then our response will be worship. Our response will be laying down our lives, giving up everything in order to follow him. Here's the way Paul words it in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, I consider everything. And if you know anything about his life, you know what everything means. But it's a lot. Everything is a lot for Paul. A lot of clout, position, rank. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And again, really in a, in a spirit of openness, authenticity, transparency this morning, uh, I'll tell you what as the preacher this morning, like what my agenda is, what my goal is, what my hope is. Um, Let me start with what it's not. My goal this morning is not to persuade you or to convince you to make Jesus more of a priority in your life. That's not my goal. My goal isn't to, to go, ah, listen, Jesus really is more important than your comfort. Because so often we, we get drawn into our comfort. And we rationalize and we make decisions about why I'm not going to obey, why I'm not going to follow, why I'm not going to go God's way because I want to stay comfortable. My goal is not to convince you that Jesus should be a higher priority than your comfort. In fact, it's not to even convince you that he should be a higher priority than your reputation or your money or your marriage or your kids or your job or even the Cleveland Browns. My goal this morning is to proclaim Christ and him crucified. That's my goal. And I believe if I do that, if, if I'm faithful to what God has called me to do, it's not convincing and debating and arguing and, and really trying to persuade you, please make Jesus more of a priority. He's more important than football. It's to proclaim Christ and him crucified and his goodness poured out to you. I believe if I do that, your response will only be to surrender and adore and worship and lay down your life. For him. Christ and Christ crucified. The scriptures tell us we are to have no other gods before him. Jesus and Jesus only. If we're to follow him, we will follow him wholeheartedly. Now, if you remember last week as we talked about uh, redeeming our time, we talked about that for Jesus, time spent with the Father was a non-negotiable. Time spent Uh, with the Lord before him. Um, 
Now, I've noticed at times when I'm as pastor and, and I'm talking with folks, and I, and I want to come alongside them and just encourage them in their spiritual walk. Like, how's it going in, with your relationship with Christ? And what's the Lord doing in your life? It's, 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 it's interesting because it's not uncommon for someone to say, well, I, I really should be spending more time in the Word. I, I, you know, I, just, uh, I feel kind of guilty. I really should, I should be spending more time with the Lord. And, and let me just tell you, and, and this is, this is, you're welcome to share those things with me as I, as I come alongside you, as I check on you. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put a muzzle on any of you. But it's really kind of a dead giveaway. <laughs> like, time spent in the Word is a chore. It's one of those things that, ah, man, I should be doing that. I know, I know it's good for me. And I, I should be flossing before I go to bed. I should be taking the recyclables in. You know, it's like one of those things like, yeah, I know it's a good thing to do. It's a dead giveaway when, when, when I say to you, and I'm guilty of doing this as well. Oh, yeah, man, I should be spending more time in the Word. Because, listen, when Christ gets a hold of you, <laughs> like, like you, you see a little bit of it, this, this marvelous glory of him and you say, I'm all in. And we sang it this morning. All I want is Jesus. All I want is you. It's when we say that truly, sincerely, all I want is Jesus, that he, that he gets a hold of you and he starts to transform you and change you. And, and you know what you start to say then? You say, I love spending time in God's word. It's amazing. I love spending time with my creator and communing with him and sharing my burdens with him and getting to know him and through his word and going to Bible study and praying with other believers. Like I'm drawn into that and I can't get enough of that and I'm eager for that. The times where we say, I never thought in a million years there would be a time where I would choose to read my Bible versus watching sports. And yet, I find myself in a season of life that is so busy and so demanding and something's got to give, but Christ is my priority. <laughs> so, no, I'm not saying, well, I really wish I would have spent more time in the Word. I say, so, pfft. yeah, I mean, there are things that I didn't make time for this week, but those weren't the priority. Christ is the priority. For all he's done for me, scriptures say he died for you that you might live for him. So when I say Christ should be, be your priority, church, again, I'm not trying to convince you or persuade you. Make him a little higher on your priority list. I'm saying he demands of us everything. He says, if you want to be my follower, then every other allegiance has got to look like hatred. Jesus wasn't just this nice, happy little teacher. He said things that were scandalous. Hating your mom? That's scandalous. It's extreme. It's bombastic. And yet, it speaks to the heart of, will you follow Jesus? Because you're either all in or not. Here's what he teaches in Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then, check this out, he says, all these other things will be added to you as well. Right, like all the stuff you're worrying about, you, you want to make sure you've got clothes and food and stuff. He's going to take care of that. 
So yes, there are times where we have to cut things out of our life, out of our schedule. They don't make it onto the priority list. They are less important. Why? Because Christ is first. But when Christ is first in your life, he just puts everything else in order. <laughs> you don't walk around moping like, well, I spent so much time in the Bible, I didn't have time for anything else. No, no, no. He fills your life with good things. And, and, and you get, many of you have experienced this. In your work, in your, in your business, when you put him first, he honors that. He blesses you. And, and I've said this before, but biblical principles are the best business principles. But boy, have I heard lots of excuses <laughs> for why Christ isn't first in people's lives. Boy, have I heard a lot of excuses. I've talked with young people who have said, you know, I think a little later in life, I'm going to like get back into the church, get back into Jesus, settle down. But for right now, I'm doing my thing. I've certainly talked with elderly people who are on the other spectrum who say, I mean, I've done my time. I've served the Lord. I don't really know what else God could ask of me at this point. There's really not, there's really not much else I could do, not much else I can give. I mean, I'm on autopilot. Uh, I've talked with people really kind of across the board, and I, I mentioned this a little earlier. Just uh, I've been really busy and I, I haven't had time to read my Bible. Been really busy. You're going to stand before the God of the universe and say, I had access to the word of God. But I didn't get into it. I let the preacher do it on Sundays. He opens it up. But I've been busy. And friend, that reveals your priority. That reveals your heart. That reveals what you think of Jesus. I've heard every excuse in the book. <laughs> uh, and that leads me to the next point this morning. I feel like this sermon could be just a single point sermon. Um, and yet I, I have a few more things I want to share. So... Quit making excuses. <laughs> like, um, the, I, I'm not spiritually mature enough to do this, that, or the other. I don't feel ready to help with that ministry. I don't feel ready to lead that core group. I don't feel ready to serve there because I'm not spiritually mature enough. Or, well, I don't think I'm ready to disciple someone else. I'm still just trying to figure this out for myself. Or, I can't share Christ with my friend because I could just mess that up and then he'd be worse off, so I'm not going to do it. Or baptized. No, I haven't been baptized, but, you know, I don't feel like I'm ready for baptism. So life is based on your feelings rather than obedience to Christ. We, we make these excuses, don't we? And, and, and as much as we make them to other people, we make them to ourselves as well. But I want to take us to a story in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus is speaking with someone who's identified as one of his followers. Here's what it says, verses 21 and 22. It says, another disciple, so here's a follower of Jesus, who says to him, Lord, let me go and bury my father. First, first let me go bury my father. 
and we don't know if this guy's father was dead or alive. Like, it's quite possible his father was still living, and he's just saying, I'm going to have family affairs to wrap up before I come and follow you wholeheartedly. And here's what Jesus says to him. He says, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. Again, the gospel is scandalous. The message of Jesus is not all just like nice and happy and joyful all the time. He says, leave it behind. Don't you know what's at stake? Don't you know what's in store? You have the opportunity to follow Christ, to be with him. Now, for this guy, this, we're talking like literal follow Christ in the flesh as your rabbi. For us today, it's him as Lord, not physically in, in the present. And, and he's saying, let me first take care of my family orders. And Jesus makes this just really clear. Like, stop making excuses. Just make a decision. Jesus calls and we follow wholeheartedly. That's the way it works. It's not, let me first take care of something. It's not, maybe in a different season of life. Uh, uh, I've heard, you know, in this season, I'm just really focused on me. Where in the Bible does it say that? (laughs) Okay, you can share the verse with me after the service if you find it. But I see that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. I see that we are to run the race for his kingdom and for his glory. Not a season that's focused on me. Quit making excuses. And and, and again, as we think about this passage, it's like, wow, Jesus doesn't care about funerals or families. That's not true. That's not true at all. It doesn't mean you can never go to a funeral again. It means Jesus has called, so follow him. Right? He says it in in one of the synoptics, says, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for service in my kingdom. It's, we've heard the invitation, how will we respond? He calls us to this life of allegiance to him, this this allegiance to Christ that outweighs everything else. And so I want to challenge us this morning to stop making excuses. We see an example of it in Exodus chapter 4. This is God calling Moses, and he's got a really big task for him, and he's going to deliver the Israelites from bondage and slavery in Egypt, right? Uh, The Egyptians are cruel masters, and they're crying out for deliverance, and God chooses Moses, and he's going to go, and he's going to bring this message, let my people go. But he wimps out. <laughs> he's afraid. He's unsure. He makes excuses. So if we go to Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. Like you've been chosen for this. And he knows it. It's not a, did I hear God? What does God want from me? This is a clear one. God has said to him, it's you, man. Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he goes, "Um, but I don't talk too good. This seems like a really important message. Like, don't you want some sort of like debate club champion? Don't you want some sort of like polished veteran speaker? He's making excuses and he's focused on the wrong thing. He's focused where? Oh, on himself. He's focused on his inabilities rather than seeing God's abilities. So when God asks you to do something, when God leads you to something, (laughs) 
and you don't think it's going to be easy. You don't think you can get it done. Well, good. Like, if you could accomplish it on your own, then you don't really need God's help, do you? And yet he, he puts, the Lord puts us in these situations that are beyond us, that are too much for us, because he asks us to walk by faith and to trust him to come through. And so that's just what the Lord does in his response to Moses here. Like, he reminds him, oh, who is it that created your mouth? You, you say you don't talk too good. Who created your mouth? Who gave you speech? Who gives people their abilities? And so don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't make excuses. If the Lord asks you to do something, he's going to give you the strength to get it done. So here's what the scripture affirms. Jeremiah 32, 27, the word of the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? If God has something on your heart, do it. Quit making excuses. Maybe it's something with your marriage. Maybe it's a step you need to take in your faith. Maybe it's that you need to share Christ with someone. Maybe it's something with your finances. Maybe it's a sin that has had a foothold in your life for far too long. And the Lord is saying, it's time for a change. Will you trust him? Will you do the thing that he's asking you to do? So keep Christ first. Quit making excuses. One, one final point I want to make this morning as we, we're learning from Jesus, how do we prioritize our lives? And that is to be present. So we see this in the life of Jesus, but also I, I, I believe in the scripture affirms that the Lord has put you in the right place at the right time. Like he has chosen your lot, your path, your position. And so love the person that he's put in front of you. Don't grumble and complain about worker or the situation you're in. God has put you there. Be present. Lift up a praise to the Lord for where he has you today. I think so much of our time is wasted on, well, we're just hoping for the next thing. Like right now, things are crummy, but I'll praise God when things change and get to be the way I want them to be. Why some of us have even been tempted to complain about the weather in Ohio recently, haven't we? <laughs> uh, I'm just convicted because it's like, I've done that. And, and I think when, when we do that, we fail to redeem the time. What were the things I could have thanked God for and praised God for, but instead I chose to grumble and complain? How has God blessed you? What has God done in your life? Look at the beauty of the snowfall in the Midwest. It speaks to God's creative ability, the wonder of the natural created order. And again, I think Jesus was a master of, of living in the moment. He was able to focus on the one thing that was in front of him, the thing that was important. Um, you just notice, and I don't have time to give a bunch of examples this morning, but in the ministry of Jesus, and maybe as you read through the Gospels or read through the life and ministry of Jesus, take note of this, he always made people feel seen and special and loved. Like he, he had this ability to, when, when Jesus, when he has an encounter, the people are like, 
they're amazed. He had, he had this ability, you know, better than any of us could possibly hope to. Um, let me take us to Matthew chapter 12. There's sort of a, an example of, of Jesus being in the, in the present there. Matthew chapter 12, starting at verse 46. Um, Jesus is talking with what it says, a crowd of people. So lots of folks that are there. It says, his mother and brothers stood outside waiting to speak to him. So they're not part of the assembly. They just show up and they're waiting around outside. And someone says to him, hey, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replies, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. How do you think the disciples in the crowd there responded to that? Wow. Jesus sees me. He's with me. He cares about me. He has called me to be his disciple. And he says that I'm somebody and that I'm important. And his very own mother, like Mary, she's standing outside. She's waiting. And Jesus continues to do ministry, continues with his teaching with the people that were there. He didn't say, what's that? My mom's outside. That's all, folks. I'm done. See you later. She's more important than you. He, he just, he remained fully present. He had this way of, of loving the one that was right in front of him. And I think we should do the same. Now, I'm not going to pretend that any of this is easy. So as we talk about Christ as priority and stopping with all the excuses and being fully present in the moment and caring about the one who God has put right before me, like this, it is hard to prioritize your life. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't get an amen on that one. Like I'm still learning and growing and falling short, I feel like, so many times. It is hard to prioritize your life, to focus on what's important, to say yes to the right things and no to the right things. We have so many things coming at us from all different directions. And that's why, again, I want to emphasize for myself and for each of you, give your allegiance to Christ. He asks it. He invites you into it. He demands it. You can't serve two masters. It's either your own agenda or Christ's. Because, listen, with him in control, with him as Lord, you're in good hands. Like he is not going to lead you astray. He's not going to lead you down a path that leads to destruction, but he is leading you on a path to life, life here and now and life eternal. Your life is in good hands when you follow Jesus. In fact, could I be so bold as to suggest this morning that it's in hands in Christ that it is in your own thinking and abilities. That's where we've got to reach the end of ourselves. And say, my life is nothing apart from him. And so everything I have and all that I am is devoted to Christ. Oh, the life in Christ and devoted to him is blessed. <laughs> it's filled with joy and peace and hope and life. So let's trust the Lord to do what we cannot do ourselves. And those places where he's asking us to step out in faith and to serve him and to take the next step, do it and do it without delay. So maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with your priorities. You're, you're right here and you're going, yep, this is a hardship. Ask the Lord to help you.
Ask the Lord to help you with your priorities, to show you what is the right path, what is the right way. Lord, have I fully committed to you? And how can I do this? Tell tell him this morning, Lord, you're first. Confess to him this morning, Lord, I'm sorry for the times that you haven't been. And the scriptures say that he will fill you with the knowledge of his will. He will fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So let's choose this day who we will serve. And with whatever amount of time, with whatever amount of years, with whatever amount of days he gives us that we have left, that we would be wise, redeeming the time. Let's pray together. Lord, you know the condition of our hearts. And as we have heard from the scriptures this morning, Lord, we have been laid wide open before you. We are convicted. We are challenged. We are humbled. And so, Lord, this morning we simply pray, Lord Jesus, be master, be Lord. We choose you. We hear your call. We hear your invitation. We know that this beautiful life with you, it begins now and it lasts forever. And we thank you for it, Lord, for the abundant life that you offer, filled with hope and joy and peace. That our lives would be worthy of the calling you've placed on them. They would only point back to you. And so, Lord, you know that you, you've put it on our hearts here at MCA that we would indeed be a vibrant community. Help us to love others well, to love the one that's right in front of us today. And that we are challenged and convicted, Lord, we are fully committed to sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the war, world. And so, Lord, would you give us boldness today and in this coming week to do that, to be unashamed of the gospel and to allow you to do your work. Lord, we don't need to convince or persuade anyone but simply to proclaim Christ and him crucified. It's only in his name we pray these things. Amen.